Well, good morning again, and uh, man, I'm excited to get into this passage of Scripture and just a little scared because this one really steps on my toes, but several of these have. I don't know about you, uh, but before we get into this, we're going to be in James. We're partway through now. We're going to be in chapter 3 today, beginning in chapter 3, uh, but I want to give a couple of uh, points that I hope you'll be interested in uh, to remember. One, uh, we as a church at Coastal support a ministry in Thailand, uh, and uh, so you have an opportunity, if you would like to today, there is lunch provided for you, and uh, missionaries from Thailand that we support are going to be there talking about what's going on with Burmese refugee families uh, and uh, how we are able to help and participate in rescuing children uh, from fighting in the war. So. Uh, that's really valuable. Spiritual formation classes continue. We talk about those pretty regularly. Uh, there's an, another round of them starting up soon. There's a new uh, little green booklet on the table as you leave this morning uh, that will give you information specifically about what classes there are. I think three of them are for ladies, uh, and then all the rest are for uh, mixed audiences. Uh, then the only other thing I want to mention is serving. And we're going to be coming around to this throughout the summer as we get geared up for the fall. Uh, we want to encourage you to find a place you can serve here at Coastal Hampton. There are lots of places to do that. You can go to gocoastal.org forward slash Hampton forward slash serve. And uh, anything that uh, we need, which is always plenty. There are always places for you to serve, right? And, and of course, uh, much of that revolves around children's ministry and eventually student ministry, Lord willing, this fall. Uh, so if you have a heart for those particular things, man, we would love to have you get engaged with us in that. You can get connected to that on the website or the easiest way is just talk to Marcus uh, as you see him and uh, let him know you're interested and he'll give you all the information you need. All right, listen, I am really happy to be able to get back to James today. We just talked last week, Pastor Marcus was preaching away on doing the word and not just being hearers, and uh, man, what a great reminder of how important it is not to just show up on Sunday and hear the scriptures preached and feel like we've checked off our box, right? Oh, we're good for the week. Uh, we need to take what we hear, we need to take the Word of God and employ it in our lives. So today, it, it's going to get just a little more specific in a way to employ what we hear. How many of you, I'm sure, that's a silly question, all of us have heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, names will never hurt me. I have no idea where that ever came from. Clearly someone who'd never been injured by words or being called a name, right? That's just the silliest thing. I know the sticks and stones can certainly break our bones, but words, calling of names, what we would perhaps today call bullying, is a super painful, hurtful experience. Have you ever said something to someone that you just wished in the moment, as soon as it got out, you wished you could take it back? <laughs> oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Or someone else is talking, and you're in a conversation, and, and uh, probably it's your husband, ladies, but, um, and you're, you're talking away, and, and he says something, and you just want to, in the moment, say to him, bite your tongue. Like, I'm kind of that way about people who, like, track how soon Christmas is coming. Oh, it's 200 days till Christmas. I'm like, what? 
It's warm and sunny. Don't talk about that. I love Christmas, but no, not yet. Um, bite your tongue. We live in a world, in a culture, that thinks increasingly freedom of speech should mean I get to say whatever I want and I don't have to have a filter. It doesn't matter what I say. I know that there are people who are very easily offended, and it seems also in our culture that people get offended no matter what you say. And I know that we are sometimes bullied into silence, but that's not the point of today's passage. Today, we're going to talk from James about the importance of controlling our tongue. In fact, I've entitled the message, Bite Your Tongue. Uh, I want us to think through the responsibility we have when we talk to other people to make sure that we're not speaking in a way that's going to be hurtful or disruptive to their growth in Christ. I want to start that, though, by reminding you that the other book that we call wisdom literature, usually when somebody says, where do you find wisdom in the Bible? Not everybody goes to James. In the New Testament, that's the one. But in the Old Testament, it was the book of Proverbs. So I'm just going to read for you some verses from there before we get to James. So just listen to these. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Chapter 12 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Whoever guards his mouth preserves life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And lastly, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. <laughs> so true, right? Listen, I want to pray before we jump into this. All right, Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word and for, man, sometimes it just seems so practical to us. It's hard to escape what you're teaching us. Uh, Lord, uh, all of your word is useful and profitable and uh, able to rebuke us and able to correct us and able to lead us in the paths of righteousness. The Lord, passages like today... Uh, really are like uh, spotlights on issues that we face every day. Lord, I, I feel like I would be remiss not to offer my thanks to you for the Supreme Court decision that happened this past weekend. Uh, God, uh, we are grateful for the fact that uh, abortion is no longer a federally protected act. Uh, Lord, I know that there are people who are struggling with that, who, uh, who are facing circumstances and situations that are unexpected to them, pregnancies that are unexpected, and they're not sure what to do and where to turn. Lord, I pray that we would be a light and a help and a, and a blessing to them and help them know the choices that they have uh, to bring that baby to term, to let it be adopted. Lord, I pray that you would 
uh, blessed. Bless organizations uh, like CareNet that we serve with here on the peninsula. Lord, uh, bless those ministries. There are uh, organizations, uh, outfits like that that are being attacked right now. Uh, I pray that you would protect uh, Ryan and his team and staff at, at uh, CareNet. And God, I pray that you would Cause us to rejoice when righteousness prevails. Thank you for the, the truth. Thank you for justice happening. Uh, but Lord, help us to be people who know how to speak about even this issue with grace and in a manner that honors you. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of uh, shouting and celebration and shouting and frustration, right, all of this weekend. Uh, those of us who believe in the sanctity of human life are thrilled to death uh, at that decision that the Supreme Court made. Those who do not believe life begins at conception are frustrated. Uh, I'm just, I don't even know how to express the joy in my heart over it. But I don't want us to, to win that argument I want us to win people, right? We have to be so careful of that. And this passage, I don't think, comes at a time like this uh, without reason. And so let me begin by reading for you the first few verses, all right? The first five verses of chapter 3 of James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great Things. I want to talk about how difficult it is to control our tongue for three uh, quick reasons this morning. Number one, because of its disproportionate influence. It's small, but it has a huge impact. It's difficult. The tongue is difficult. Now, listen, the first verse in this passage is pointed at those of us who teach. Those of us who take upon ourselves the responsibility to open the scriptures and teach every Sunday morning or in a spiritual formation class or lead a small group or are discipling other people, those of us who teach others should not jump at the chance in the sense that, man, this is the place to be. We should jump at the opportunity to serve Christ, but... Those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We have to be careful of what we say and how we say it. But he goes on to talk about everybody, right? All people. We all stumble in many ways. If there's anyone who doesn't stumble in what he says, he's perfect. I don't think he means completely perfect. But if I can control my tongue, I can control anything, right? I am I am mature. I'm not lacking any particular moral quality. It's like that's the last bastion of things that need to be controlled. Think of the many ways that people sin, that we can sin. Immorality, stealing, physical abuse, dishonesty, laziness, adultery, all those sorts of things that in our minds don't seem 
necessarily equal, but they're all bad. And he says, we all stumble in many ways, but if you don't stumble in the use of your tongue, you have really got your act together. It's difficult. Of all the things that are difficult to control, James says the tongue is the most difficult. John Kautz suggests this, that James is not just thinking of foul language, right, or, or speech punctuated with four-letter words, but rather even reviling and slandering. And he says this, when the wound is inflicted with politeness and polish, it's no less sinful. We have to learn to be careful to control our tongue. It impacts people's lives. And it's determined, right? It's not, it's not just difficult, it's determined. It's interesting to me how James seems to paint a picture of the tongue as though it's got a mind of its own. Have you ever been talking and thought to yourself, why did I just say that? Did you ever feel like maybe your, your tongue has a mind of its own? It doesn't, really. We have to blame it on our mind, but he is, he is personifying our tongue, and he gives these two illustrations. I like when I don't have to come up with an illustration, right? We put a bit in a horse's mouth. Now, I have ridden a horse maybe all of four times in my life, so I don't know anything about horseback riding, but I do know that little, that little bar-looking thing they stick in their mouth is the thing that's in charge. And the theory is if you pull this way with the reins, it'll pull the horse's head that way, and it'll go that way, and the same thing this way. And if you pull back, it'll stop. A horse learns to be trained by this little bit in its mouth, which is way smaller than the horse as a whole. And ships, of course, he's talking about sailing ships, all the wind that's driving them. But regardless, whether it's a, a, an aircraft carrier, a ship that's powered by something large, there's usually something very small comparatively at the back end of that ship that is deciding where the ship goes. Something has to propel it, and the tongue is determined. In reality, both of these things, the bit and the rudder, are small by comparison with the thing that they control. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The tongue, compared to the size of me, is very small. But it has great potential to accomplish things. It boasts of great things. It thinks it's big stuff. But the reality is, it does accomplish a lot. It can be used for great good. And it can be used to cause great pain. The tongue has disproportionate influence. It's also dangerous because it can have a disastrous impact. That, in part, because it's unpredictable. Look at the next couple of verses, beginning uh, the last half of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed 
and has been tamed by mankind. But no human, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue has a disastrous impact because it's unpredictable. You don't know the impact it's going to have. So we've been watching on the news uh, recently, or somewhat recently, uh, the fires out on the West Coast. Sometimes those happen because of a lightning strike. Sometimes those happen because of a careless camper that doesn't put out their fire, their campfire, in the right way. And forests are set ablaze. How many times have we watched fires devour thousands of acres? of forest land? How many times have we watched a person's life be practically demolished because of the carelessness of someone who didn't control their tongue? Whether it's a spouse or uh, a child or someone who's been bullied, our words have an incredible, disastrous impact and they tend to be unpredictable and furthermore out of control. Verse 6 talks about that. Verse 6 talks about how it's just completely out of control. How great a fire. It is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. It seems like he's describing the tongue as being a world of unrighteousness all to itself. The tongue stains the whole body. Its influence is so pervasive that it affects everything. The source of its evil is hell. Unpredictable, uncontrolled, it's untamed. Verses 7 and 8, the human tongue, no one can tame the human tongue. Now, of course, he's speaking of us by ourselves, right? You can't do this on your own. We need help with our tongue. But no man can tame the tongue. All of these things, right? Every kind of beast, bird, reptile, sea creature, right? We have seen that all. We've been to the, to the uh, circus and seen the lion tamer and the tiger and, and all of these various creatures. I've seen videos on the internet of somebody coming over and putting their hand on the nose of a crocodile. Like, what in the world is wrong with people? I would, why would you get that close? Or a, or a snake charmer, or whatever it is. We, we find ways to bring everything under our control and under our spell, but somehow not our tongue. It's restless. It's full of deadly poison. These pictures are really powerful. tongue is also dangerous because of its double-minded tendency. Verse 9. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
blessing and cursing. We talk well. We honor God. We come to church and we worship the Lord and we speak positive and wonderful things about the Lord. Then we speak evil of other people. What other people are we talking about? I wonder if, if it would include people who don't think politically like us. Or if we speak evil of a person who disagrees with us on the issue of abortion. Listen, I get they're wrong. But do we have to speak in an evil manner about them? We bless and we curse, both positive and negative, coming from the same mouth. Verse 10 says, it should not be this way. That's, it's only used here. This particular word for should not is only used here in the Bible. It could be roughly translated, it's just not right. Don't do that. You can't have both fresh and salt. And again, he uses another illustration that's, to me, hard to beat. I know somebody's going to say, well, what about brackish water? I get it. I know sometimes where they come together, that's not what he's talking about, right? It's either salt water or it's fresh water because it cannot be this way. Not only should it not, it cannot be this way. You cannot have salt water from a fresh spring. A grapevine doesn't produce figs, he says. These things can't be true. Is, is he suggesting, do you think, that a person who uses their tongue for evil perhaps isn't a fresh spring? Perhaps the gospel has not really transformed them? Listen, I'm telling you, this, this stuff is brutal to me as I think and pray about these things and, and come into them. We're going to begin to move here into a time around the Lord's table, and I really want this to be a time of challenge for me and, and hopefully for you to make sure that my relationships with the people around me are where they ought to be because I'm not to take this unknowingly. I'm not to take this flippantly. So my questions for you as you are getting ready to move toward this is, are you controlling your tongue? People are affected by what you say, and how they are affected is your responsibility. Now, it's one thing if you're misunderstood. You go back, you fix it, you talk to them, you make it right. But it's another thing if you just say it in a way that's hurtful. If you say something hurtful that is not godly, Again, I understand the truth hurts. We always come back for these things, right? And, and sometimes we say, yeah, but this person just needs to hear it in a certain way. But Colossians says, let your speech be always with grace. So that's question two. Is your speech always gracious? Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It's fascinating to me, again, to look at the life of Jesus, who always told the truth, never backed down from the truth, never uh, minced words with anybody, and yet spoke in such a gracious way that crowds came to listen to him. He spoke the truth. He didn't need to win arguments. 
He spoke the truth. So we're going to move toward these elements here in a couple of moments. And, and what I want us to do is think about the passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 5 as we do this this morning. It talks about if you are ready to bring your offering and you remember that you've got, someone has something against you, leave your offering there and go make it right. So, so I don't necessarily want you to get up and move to another part of the room today, but I want you to think about the power of your tongue and how it can be used to be hurtful. And when we are not hurtful in a godly way, speaking the truth with grace sometimes hurts. But people aren't hurt by our words then. They're not hurt by our approach. They're not hurt by our demeanor. They're hurt in a manner that brings them to repentance and the acknowledgement of the truth, right? Godly sorrow brings repentance. But when they've been hurt because I've said it in a way that's hurtful, when they are hurt because I've said something hurtful that wasn't necessarily truth, I was just being argumentative, whatever it is, when I have hurt someone, perhaps it's time for me not to come and take the communion elements, but to spend a little time in confession and repentance, and perhaps make a plan in my mind to go connect with that person this afternoon or sometime this week and to talk to them, to, to make right the relationship that has been hindered by my words. I know that's really pointed, but man, we live in a world, as I said at the beginning, that there's just so much animosity, so much hatred, and we tend to respond in kind perhaps more often than we should. The tongue is a fire. It's a powerful, powerful tool that can honor God and glorify his name and can bring hurt and pain, sometimes lasting pain to people. So at all of our campuses today, this is Family Sunday, and we are celebrating the Lord's Supper at all of our campuses. And some of our campuses, uh, before we get to this, are also having baptisms. Uh, a couple of them are, and uh, some, uh, at least one of them, are having some family dedications. Uh, so I want to encourage you to pray about that. As you're praying this morning, I want to, to point out the importance of that. Man, if you are here today and have never been baptized since the time you got saved, it's really a significant step in your walk with Christ. It's a really important thing for you to, to take the step of getting into the baptismal waters, getting down and back up again, and identifying yourself with Jesus. And if you've never done that, man, grab that Connect card and just write on there, I'd, I'd like to talk about baptism. And we will get a hold of you. We'll talk to you about it. Man, I would love to see us uh, at our next uh, night of prayer or uh, next family Sunday like this, having some folks coming and identifying themselves with Christ before their church family. If that's never happened to you, man, let's, let's take that step. and Keep praying. Pray as God brings in families and children to our ministry that we'll be able to uh, begin to see some of this family dedication stuff. It's such an important part of the life of the church. But we are today celebrating the Lord's Supper. 
So here's how I want to do this. I want to encourage you, uh, and we're going to have some music just kind of playing quietly as you do this, but I want you to take just a few minutes, uh, pray, deal with God, do whatever needs to happen in your heart, and then uh, come up here and grab these are these little to-go cups. This is the last time we're going to use these things, so uh, by the next time it's going to be a wafer and a cup of juice, and it, it won't be effort, right? Uh, I don't want to cause your tongue to say things you don't like when you're just trying to open the communion cup, right? So I, I know it's not always easy, but just keep rolling at that thing and you'll get it. So here's what I want to do. And we've been doing this at Coastal for a long time. So this time around, I want to encourage you to come. Come with your spouse or with your family and uh, c come up here, take, step over to the corner and take communion together, right? We're, we're here together as a family. We're going to do that or, or take it, take it back to your seat, spend a couple more moments, reflect. And when you're ready, you go ahead and take communion. And uh, then we're going to, after we have given it five minutes or maybe 10 if we need to, uh, when it looks like things have kind of slowed down, uh, the team's going to step back in and take us through a final song to close. All right, so that'll be how we do this. You spend some time in prayer and uh, make sure your heart's right with God. Then you come and get the elements. The little wafer is on top of the cup of juice. And uh, go back to your seat or come with your family or some of your small group if you're here together. Uh, and take communion, and then uh, in just a little bit, uh, they will step in, and we'll move on with singing. All right, but I'm going to pray first to close. Father, thank you for uh, the truth of your word. Uh, I know this is not an easy uh, section of scripture, because I know it affects so many of us. It, it uh, touches us where we live. Lord, we have been the victims of words that were hurtful, we have perhaps been the perpetrator. Uh, Lord, we confess that to you today. We ask that you would cause us to think about how we speak and use the, the words that we are allowed to say in the lives of people to, uh, to be a blessing to them, to encourage them toward righteousness, to encourage them toward holiness, to encourage them in their walk. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us today. Bless in this time of communion, Lord, as we uh, hear all together in this room, but in perhaps smaller numbers, uh, take communion together. Father, would you use this time to remind us that you, we're looking backward to what Christ accomplished for us, Lord. We are wanting to get our attention and our focus back on the reality of the hope of the gospel. And then we're thinking now, we're thinking internally, we're thinking present, we're evaluating our heart and seeking to be right with you. And we're looking forward to the future because Jesus said he would not drink of the fruit of the vine again until he did it with us in his kingdom. And so there's a long picture here. And Lord, I pray for each one who has trusted in Jesus already. Lord, would you uh, use this time to strengthen our hearts, to encourage us in our walk with you, for I pray in Jesus' name.